Hi, Kieran. Hi, Leela. I am um, recording in this studio that just smells of lavender. So much <laughs> lavender. <laughs> yeah, like everywhere you go, there's a cloud of lavender in the air. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I woke up, I had s- my senses were so honed, became so intense and especially for me the sense of smell um so 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 i feel sometimes i feel like i'm a mole i'm like a (laughs) human mole my nose can just track so much information um and so (laughs) my remedy for this is to just fill my environment with lavender (laughs) i know that so well and i wonder do you still smell the lavender or is that, are you not aware of it anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I think to a certain degree, I'm not aware of it. And yeah. so the, I, like, I think maybe for the first, like the top 20% of the scent I can smell <laughs> and I miss the 80% base <laughs> because it's yeah. now me, but I, cause I'll hear people say, Oh, Kieran's here. There's a big waft of lavender coming yeah. down the hallway. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't yeah. notice that. So, Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's not subtle. It's not subtle at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's For get me. into the show and talk about spiritual sensitivities. Yes, I think please. that's the theme today. Hi, I'm Kieran Trace. Welcome to Humans Decoded, a story of hobbits, fairies, elves, dwarfs, gnomes, and humans. If you get lost at any point, there is a deep dive on all the different avatars in episode one. It includes notes. Thank you for joining us in a fun little chat about the vast potential of our human makeup. But first up, we have a what's in the bag. And it comes from an elf today. She says daily she has a fanny pack with her ID, credit card, lip balm, AirPods, keys and phone. And I often have a pen with me. Sometimes I also carry a wireless phone charger since my phone often loses battery. I'm like, wow, that seems like a lot for an elf. Right? Let let me see, a credit card, (laughs) a lip balm, AirPod, keys, a phone... A and phone? a phone charger. So this is where we might say to this do you? elf, do you really need that much? Because <laughs> for us, yeah. it's credit card and essential oil, right? Credit card, essential oil, phone. Yeah, no key, no keys. Yeah. Okay, phone. No, but not everyone could do that, could live without keys, or should maybe even. Um Uh, and anyway (laughs) okay so i guess it's still it's still really minimal okay it just suddenly the list just felt long for but i i think it's still pretty minimal okay cool okay but then when she goes to work she writes or if she carries her laptop or like she goes to a cafe she has a very trim backpack The small front pocket has basically what my fanny pack does, a wallet with the cards put back in, and maybe her sunglasses in a case. In the big compartment, I specifically selected this backpack because it has a padded slot for my laptop. 
I've long ago stopped carrying the laptop case because it's just one extra step I don't need. A planner, a paper planner, is probably rare for an elf, but I like to physically write my daily lists while also having a digital calendar, my reading glasses, an extra phone charger cord, wow, maybe a protein bar or two, a journal, and honestly, any ballpoint pen will do. <laughs> this is pretty good because for me, if I'm going to the cafe and I needed a pen, I'd just ask the barista. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah. I have that, and I think um, I think this is a very prepared elf. This is really, you know, great, super organized, super organized. and yeah. I I totally get that sense of like where she talks about a paper planner because she likes to physically write lists, and it's like, yeah, as an elf, we sure do yeah. love to write those lists, <laughs> that organization, <laughs> yes, that structure, <laughs> that ideas for the day, like, oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> making it feel tangible on the form. So that's good. Um, I love mm-hmm. that it's this really slim, trim backpack that can just have these essentials tucked in. And then my guess is that they don't move much like that pen or mm. that, you know, like those things just stay in that trim backpack ready to walk out the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I tend to organize my bags. Like just have one of the things I need, like of all the things I need in all of the bags. So I don't have to think. It's just, it's just there. there. Yeah. And then do you ever use yeah. anything that's in it? Honestly, rarely. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, this is embarrassing, but I want to share it. What I actually do use are the used tissues that are already in my bag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think more people than not might fess up to such a thing. Way to expose it. Way to just lay it all out there. That's good. Yeah. Should, should we have this like something for what's in the bag? Okay. Decoders. List what's in your bag, but then in the sub piece, write the most embarrassing thing that's in your bag. <laughs> mm, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> I For me, I would say one of the most embarrassing things is that I have this little bag, and then what was in there, I have not touched in years. Years. Mm. So I've had the same bag for years, and I've never touched anything in it. <laughs> the phone goes in, the phone comes out. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I don't, I'm, I'm as, it's a, it's a mystery to me what's in the, the sort of rest of the bag, which is, which is just a very slim, you know, crossbody bag. But what's in the, it's tiny, tiny. Yeah. And what's in the body of that's been in there for years and I've, I never mm-hmm. touch it. <laughs> oh God. There's so much that comes to mind now, but maybe that's for another Yeah, exactly. Episode. Okay, so the, <laughs> the, the, the way that our bags are carrying some kind of little little dirty secret. Um, yeah. We had some really beautiful questions come in over the last couple of months um, that had a lot more of that spiritual leaning to them, but I put them together um, thinking that they would make one juicy podcast. And here we are. Here we are in it. Mm. So... Um, one of the first questions came up after our beautiful episode on natural flow states. 
And um, she writes, as a human, my natural flow state is marshalling and the constant mental chatter that accompanies marshalling. But how do I differentiate flow state and trance state? When I'm doing this, I'm not present. Therefore, it seems more like a trance state than a flow state. But it sure feels good to let it take over. Mm. Love Mm. this question. Love it. It's so good. What's your what's your take here? What's your first take on this? Yeah, it's it's, it's great, and we we're, we're passionate about about that discernment because it's so tricky to spot which one is it? Is it flow or is it trance? And trance is so great at like masking itself as that natural flow. And I hear you like this trance. It feels so good. It's warm, it's comfy, it's familiar. There's a bit of a high in it. <laughs> At the same time, you notice that already, like it's slightly disconnected, out of context and eye-centered. This trance, it's like it's making all the right shapes. Like I'm sitting cross-legged, all my crystals are around. <laughs> I have some incense burning. Maybe I even recite a mantra. But inside, like the actual experience inside is a bit dead. Yeah, as you write in your question, it's not present or you're not present. Like it lacks that clarity of actual presence, this sense of pure refreshment in source. And I'm reading Anne of Avonlea at the moment. Anne of Avonlea by the great uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery. Lucy, the Canadian, yeah, exactly, the great Canadian, as recommended <laughs> by Kieran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the writer um, who wrote also Anne of Green Gables, and Anne says something that comes to mind. Like when I think something nice is going to happen, I seem to fly right up on the wings of anticipation, and then the first thing I realize, I drop down to earth with a thud. But really, the flying part is glorious as long as it lasts. It's like soaring through a sunset. I think it almost pays for the thud. And I think Anne is so beautifully describing what that kind of trancy anticipation, something nice is coming. She describes it beautifully. And at times she's like the queen of trance with her. Like she imagines things and she's escaping the moment. But then she lands with that thud. And I wonder if that is happening for you too. Like when you come down of that marshalling in a trance. As opposed to what actual flow or alignment feels like and looks like. There is no face planting or we don't have to pay a price. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Part of the reason we're loving this question too is is it's subtle. The the distinguishment mm-hmm. between what would be your natural flow state and what is natural or, as we talk about a lot, aligned, <laughs> which is to say in, in alignment with reality, like what's happening in reality, what's happening, you know, in your authentic rhythm. And it's, it's really surprising how much work it takes and I don't mean work in terms of effort, but I mean work in, of, in, in terms of awareness. Like, 
how much awareness it takes um, to be synced into reality. And when I say it, I can hear even myself like that. Awareness, I don't mean effort there either. I just mean how habituated humans are to trance out. Um, you know, and I was watching, many of you guys may have seen this beautiful show called Ted Lasso. And at the end of the second season, spoiler alert, those of you that haven't, um, there's a character called Nate, and he starts projecting all over Ted this huge story about Ted abandoning him. And it's not accurate, it's not true, it's not real, it has nothing to do with reality. And has everything to do with a, with a trance state that this character is in. Uh, a delusion that the, that the character is in. And the character cannot see how inaccurate that is because it would take awareness <laughs> and the trance is the thing that steals the awareness and so definitely in our practice and definitely in like our classes and our work we're always kind of trying to poke at that delusion that that little movement mm-hmm. um and it's part of why I, I love this question so much it's it's always this beautiful ongoing inquiry in some ways but when we are in alignment with reality, we tend to feel this aliveness, as, the, as, our, as our questioner has noticed, a presentness. Um, it tends to be very connected to the moment and also connected to the overall context of the whole moment, which is to say, when we are in alignment with reality, we're connected to reality. And if we're connected to reality, we connect to the, like ourselves in this moment but it also tends to include like the larger whole like the whole context is included it has a very ordinary feeling it's very down to earth so if your natural flow state is marshalling when we're marshalling in alignment to ourselves when we're when we're marshalling because of this authentic relaxation and alignment with the moment it it has an ordinary down to earth alive present movement to it and that feeling is much more delicious than high because if you're in a trance it has a lot of energy it can feel so good um and it's like this, it has its own jetpack of energy with it. Uh, that's part of the challenge of delusion is how much energy it has. But you're kind of bubbled. There's like an isolated movement there. Almost like a, it's, it can be very subtle or obvious, but this sort of special. And a lot of people have that in their spiritual practice. They're actually in a trance, this isolated bubble of special that has all this energy into it but it is disconnected it's not sort of alive in the moment and and so that's where you know the energy of that is heightened it's high it can be this ecstatic bliss it can be the energy of rage or frustration or even subtler to find is that energy of avoidance that busy that busy 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 which is a if we could bottle that energy state 
right? It's this slippy, slippy avoidance. And that's a very different signature than what we call delicious, which is much more, it has this ease built into it. And it has this yum, but it's of the senses. But it also has this ordinary groundedness to it. And so to subtly recognize these different signatures gets to be this ongoing inquiry. But the win is that when we're aligned and when we're in that place of truth, um, there is this great intelligence that sort of simmers through. We talked about this in last week where there's sort of natural laws of abundance and natural laws of of, um, momentum that come into play. Mm -hmm. And there's much less crashing into, much less, you know, like, running into challenge and obstacle and, and um, you know, kind of movements. But, but one time, sometimes when we're really, really, really in a trance state, we slip off those challenges. We don't notice it. Um, even though the feedback coming outside, you know, the, in this Ted Lasso show, the feedback coming to Nate from a lot of people was how out of sync, how janky, um, how, you know, like, like contracted against reality he was, but it just all kept slipping off of him, um, in this really avoidant sort of slippy way. And, um, you know, I, I recently had this beautiful, um, client that I work with say to me, oh yeah, the delusional state was the best two years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love that. Yeah. I love that that sense of like, man, the energy pack of that, that high of that, that special of that, that on a mission, that righteousness, that you know, kind of um, you know, dis- disassociated, delusional bubble. Um, it's it's a great question, and uh, yeah, it's so beautiful to go. What is what is a more um, a, what is my flow state in alignment? Versus what is my flow state as a trance? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they Mm. uh, can feel so good. (laughs) Yeah. And also I love how you're pointing to how used we are to trance and that trance is kind of portrayed in society as um, sort of the highest state you can get to, you know? Like we're so used to that signature and not very used to actual flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we all yeah. know that. We, we're all sort of moving around the world. And there's such a, as we start to enter into some awareness and some authenticity and some of our conditioning comes off, we start to notice all these people around us in these bubbles of their own story. Mm-hmm. And it's not true about, rea- like, it's like they're, disassociated from reality. Um, we start to see that this is actually a kind of a ongoing human condition. Um, but, it, but the thing is, it's not a human condition that, that is um, bringing more fulfillment, bringing more aliveness or life to it, even though it feels so good. And there's something that feels yeah. better than that. And, 
brings one into more aliveness and more life. Mm. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. Mm. So Yummy questions. A fairy rights on Facebook. Absolutely. Um, it's really like straight to the core and the bone. Yeah, straight to the bone. <laughs> um, okay, so here's a question about avatars and silence. Um, you've mentioned that, for example, Kieran's meditations are super straight to the point, very elfy, versus Meg's, which might be more mm. based in um, the body, hobbity, or things like hobbits doing walking during meditation. Ultimately, the same silence, but do the paths or portals to the silence differ between the avatars? For example, a hobbit might find it easier um, to move in nature and plug into silence that way versus an elf, which might plug into the field of silence super fast. Um, it's an interesting question, and I, I'm going to jump in and say, like, yeah. Um, but I would hold that very loosely um, because <laughs> if we're looking at a beginner level introduction to silence and that's that vast silence coming from this unified field around us. So this unified field or source as we often call it here you might call it creator you might call it god there's there's numerous words for it but there is a an an essence of deep silence that comes from that field and so for somebody who spent most of their life unaware of that um meditation is really a tool to like drop into experiencing that. And at the beginner level, um, a silent sitting, as they might call it, for a dwarf or a human or a gnome and or a hobbit, it might be great to include some walking or slow pottery movement like Tai Chi or Hatha restorative yoga um, because that authentic natural flow state is that potter or that marshal or that um you know these different flow states so to sort of so to not make it such an extreme contrast but to include some of um a flow with it can be really helpful to then point out um in awareness this silent unified field whereas an elf or a fairy who has a more um, quicker sensibility, a more vigorous practice, maybe like the twirling dervishes that the Sufis do, or maybe conscious dance, or maybe like kirtan, um, these other practices, or even just a real vigorous workout. <laughs> You know, like weight training or something like that, like <laughs> holding some weights and doing a bunch of lifts or something can calm a busy mind to help one land in the body. Because that elf or that fairy, it might, you know, might require something more vigorous to come into the body. And then that shavasan practice or that silent awareness um, 
can can open up for them. Um, but I'm going to say very loosely held because, for instance, the great master Eckhart Tolle, um, his favorite portal for beginners when he's pointing into the silence, it's this moment, just the the quiet of the now, and he just keeps pointing to that space between the words where one sound ends and then the next begins and he he just points right there. So more I would say it's what works for you and for you um, to find that really not subtle at all. It's an overwhelming quiet that is um, the deeper presence of this moment Um, and just to let that can be a changing thing and we can be open to numerous ways. It might be something like a kirtan and then shavasana and the contrast is really amazing at finding the quiet. Or it may be something like Mm -hmm. suddenly suddenly after a while you find that walking meditation or tai chi or a yoga practice that is that that's moving with the quiet helps you really land and and fall into the silence but um ultimately that silence is picked up or heard from awareness not from um, the mental program so the mind isn't hearing that silence it can't the frequency of the silence can't be it's not a mental frequency it can't it can't come in there so it comes in through the awareness um which everybody has and everybody has equal access to it so that's why i'm gonna like say really open-handed in terms of how your avatar in any moment is really hearing that very voluminous quiet um, of the moment mm. and again the to the mind it's just not sound and that's not a thing <laughs> um, it's not this voluminous <laughs> overwhelming huge quietness <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. yeah and it's something that can change right like as as you deepen your relationship or as you deepen into that silence, it might change. Like, what is it that is true in, in this moment? Like, the, a movement or, 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 or a sit. And then that might change over the years. It might change in the next moment. It's something else. Like, just because it has been a vigorous practice, for instance, doesn't mean that that's going to stay that way. <laughs> no, and, and it doesn't matter how advanced you are, you know, someone like myself, and maybe comment for yourself, Leela, like, there are times for me that, um, you know, and I almost never leave it, like, I just live inside that overwhelming silence. That's my predominant mm. experience in almost every day. Um, and, you know, the, the fragrance of that, like the fragrance of lavender sort of follows me down the hall also. And in the same way, at times only 20% of it is felt so directly by me, right? And in the same way, it's like the feedback from yeah. others of like being whacked out by the silence around me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there is the same kind of like, you know, like evolutions where, you know, 
recently I really love like weightlifting. It's just been so freaking delicious. And it's actually a place that I can hear the silence so beautifully pouring through my body is like Mm. picking up that like 15 pound hand weight, you know, and doing all these overhead presses and just like hearing the silence and feeling all that energy through my body as pure silence. And that experience is like, oh, it's so delicious. Um, And this is like a really new movement for me to hear it literally through weightlifting. Because who would have thought? It's not the picture of this is what silence looks like, mm-hmm. right? Picking up a weight. <laughs> and doing like overhead presses. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can relate a lot, you know? Like playing with weights has been uh, so alive and quiet at the same time. Yeah. Delicious. Hmm. Okay. All right. We have another question that came in. Um, They write, something I've been pondering. Do you think it could be advantages for your spiritual guide or teacher to be the same avatar as you? Do you think you could possibly understand their guidance or pointings more clearly in a way that naturally resonates because in essence you speak the same language? And maybe they would also be able to understand your hurdles or sticking points in a more embodied way, relating more directly to their own spiritual journey or experiences. This is assuming they would have some elements that align due to the foundation of the avatar being the same, or am I way off with this train of thought? (laughs) I mean, no, (laughs) no, um, wouldn't that be lovely? My goodness, I love the vision here. Because um, under under that vision is the idea that there's just so many clear, awake, and skillful <laughs> teachers. You could just pick your favorite avatar. <laughs> I mean, I like that world. I will get behind that vision. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I love that. I mean, we're very, very fortunate in our modern era that we do have an incredible buffet of of very clear, very awake teachers, but not quite that many. (laughs) Not quite like that. Um, But let's just say I'm definitely, you know, down for the vote on that. Yes. Yes. Let that let there be Mm -hmm. so many that you could just pick your avatar. Um, (laughs) But um, until that arrives, um, I'm going to say what works best for you, like clarifying what it is you need in a coach or a healer or a teacher is awesome. And being able to ask for that. Um, Like as a coach, like myself, I adjust my guidance based on the avatar of the person I'm working with. Sure. Um, I'll adjust my pacing. I'll adjust metaphors that I use. Um, of even goals, although anybody I'm working with, the goals are being articulated by them to me. Um, but I will understand the context of that goal based on, um, the avatar that, that is speaking to me. Um, but I know a lot of really beautiful 
teachers who could never, who couldn't actually do that. Um, and I think the same with therapists, doctors, and healers. They might not have that level of versatility in their toolbox or what they're offering. So ideally, what you're going to do is you ask for your yes. Like, what do you need? Do you need more language? Do you need more details? Do you need more metaphor? Do you need a different pacing? Mm-hmm. You know, do you need, and being able to ask for what it is you need, and then sort of open-handed on how life will, you know, bring that into you is really the best bet given the current um, buffet available to you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I would say that just because a teacher is the same avatar as you are, it doesn't mean that it's a guaranteed match. Like it can still be not aligned for you to work with them and I don't yeah I guess I I might fall into the category of a healer who doesn't have that versatility in their toolbox like I don't consciously adapt um, but I notice that there's different metaphors that come up when I work with a hobbit as opposed to working with an elf or maybe it's also like what you're saying, different paces with an elf. It can be like right away, bam, connecting to light, right? Which might be a little bit harder for a hobbit friend. Yeah. I love the point that you bring up here, though, mm-hmm. that just because you are of the same avatar doesn't mean it's a match. And that's something we actually haven't spoken very much about on this podcast. Um, but it is something worth, worth bringing up that, um, that there can, you know, like where the match is, is going to be something bigger about, it's going to be about karma and belief systems, um, for that right relationship at the, at the time Mm. and that relationships change and move. And they certainly do with teachers um, and guides and coaches and therapists and doctors and, and anybody that we are in relationship with um, that we will Mm. in line with our karma um, ideally move and shift and change. And I think being available for, that is is lovely it reminds me of um lots of times people think that everybody who is very clear or very awake and a teacher will naturally get along (laughs) Um, and you know and maybe even when i was younger and first awake i would i maybe thought the same like oh like we're all seeing reality and then the more friends that i made that were very clear and very awake teachers and the more leaders and things that I I came to know and spend time with, the more I realized, wow, no, we are as likely to get along as anybody else. It didn't actually make us more aligned in our um, Mm. connection to each other. Um, And, um, and so you know, where we connect and how we connect. And especially, you know, if we're talking about, you know, a therapist, a coach, um, a healer, a teacher, I think it's so 
beautiful if you have the ability to know that you may or may not connect. You can ask for what you need in terms of coaching to help you be more coachable or more available or receptive to a teaching or to an insight. Um, and the more you are aware of what it is you need, the more you'll be available to the opportunity of life putting that up under you. Um, mm. As opposed to, you know, that, that deep seeking energy inside of us that can sometimes sort of overstep what is authentic or real or connected in the moment and can like overstep it to seek out something. Maybe we're familiar with this, like with loving relationships or romantic relationships where we're actively pursuing something that's just not, not opening for us (laughs) Um, (laughs) or we're active, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so, um, yeah, I just think knowing that, you know, you're both the same avatar just puts you in place of like where we would connect, but it doesn't mean that there is an authentic connection there. And so Mm -hmm. it really keeps putting that onus back on you. (laughs) Each one of us being (laughs) connected to reality and connected to ourselves and making the choices that are right for us. And we're really just talking about mapping how to do that more than we are talking Mm. about creating any dogma or any rule, or any behavior. And our minds and our conditioning wants the dogma. It wants a rule. It wants a, it wants to be safe and to belong and, and to be good enough. But Hmm. in reality, these are, these are, you are already there in the deepest place of reality. You are already there. So reality is not busy trying to show you you're good enough or you're safe or you belong or you're loved because that's that's a done deal. Um, and those beliefs, you already, you already won. won. And those belief systems are, are overriding it all, you know, and those conditionings are overriding it all. So really here in this podcast, we're talking a lot about identifying what is authentic and letting those conditions get exposed and seen and fall away. Um, And that's such a beautiful exploration in a moment versus a set of rules that one follows. And um, yeah, so I think we'll leave it there today. Miss Leela, this was a, this was mm-hmm. a juicy one. Absolutely, I had fun. Fantastic. Next week, y'all, we're gonna do a fun thing. We're gonna start to um, bring in some folks who have spent a few years settling into their various avatars, and we're gonna hear directly from them some of the journey. I promise we will get back to these little, like the antagonist relationships of avatars and all that kind of stuff. Um, and certainly more questions from you guys. Cause I love your questions so much. Um, brilliant, but we're going to have more of um, our community step up and share their stories and talk about it. Cause I think that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Looking forward. See you next week. 
Thank you for listening. We obviously love hearing what you think. Your feedback helps us make a better show for you to listen to. So feel free to comment and you can do it at Facebook, which is the Humans Decoded Podcast with Kieran Joyce and Megan Rokel. And um, if you're not on social, you can always email any questions to us at outreach at kierantrace.com. And um, thanks for listening. We love you.